My name is Davis Smith. I'm the CEO of Cotopaxi and an MBA graduate of the Wharton School. The Latter-day Saint MBA Society was founded by a group of MBA students and alumni who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the hope of bringing together a community of business people striving to bless the world. In this podcast, you'll hear interviews with Latter-day Saint thought leaders that we hope will inspire you both in your professional and spiritual life. For more information about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society, visit latterdaysaintmba.com. And now I'll pass it over to Kurt Frankum, who will host this week's interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. And today I have the opportunity to chat through the powers of the internet with Tag Romney. How are you, Tag? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to learn from you and, and your experience both in uh, your professional life and and those years at school and going through MBA school. And, um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people are familiar with uh, your last name and the work that your dad's done and, and some of his career. Um, maybe I'm curious, the best place to start is uh, where'd your name tag come from? That's a good question. My, I, uh, my dad had a count. He was a, in a bishopric at BYU and his the first counselor was Tag Taggart. And uh, they had me and they really liked the name. And, and so I always thought that there was one person out there with a funnier name than mine because he had you know, tagged twice. And when I met him finally when I was in my uh, late teens, it, it turned out his first name was really Lloyd. People just call him Tag. So, um, and I, nice. my middle name is Mitt. So I, I didn't get a break on either my first or my, or my middle name. So Nice. So yeah. your, your real name is not Lloyd. It is actually Tag. Uh, no, it is, it is uh, Tag short for Taggart. Nice, uh, nice. And I have five sons myself, and I named them all Joe, Thomas, Johnny, David, William, really straight down the middle uh, <laughs> uh, Bible names. So, yeah. Nice, awesome. Uh, when people ask you what you do for a profession, uh, what do you tell them? You know, uh, I, I tell them I work in private equity as an investor, uh, private investor, and but it took me a long time to figure out what I, what I, I had a lot of career changes. Uh, it wasn't until I was almost 40 that I finally figured out what I wanted to do. So wow. uh, I'm glad to be able to finally uh, have a, an easy answer when people ask me that question. Yeah. And, and so was, were there times where uh, you thought you knew what you wanted to do? You went down that path and realized that was not what you wanted to do? A couple of times, yeah. And it was funny. The one thing I thought I knew I did not want to do was work in private equity. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I thought I didn't want people to think, oh, he just did what his dad did. Oh yeah. That gave me a leg up. And so like, it wasn't really fair. I finally stopped worrying about what other people thought and figured out that that's exactly what I did want to do. But yeah, I had it, you know, I, I, uh, I worked in sports for a long time and, and I love sports, but it, it took me a while to figure out that was not, that was not you know, it's what should I do for fun, but probably not what I should do for a living. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there were a couple of different careers that I thought were right for me. And then as I got, got into them, realized it was, you know, needed to change. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, wh where did you do your undergrad? BYU. Yeah. BYU okay. undergrad and, and then went to Harvard for, uh, for MBA. And so as you were going to BYU, did you feel like, you know, you knew the direction you were headed in or was it still a question at that point? No, it was the biggest, I'm it was one of the biggest stresses of my life was figuring out what do you want to, when I was a kid, I worried about who am I going to marry and, and what am I going to do when I grow up? And fortunately, you know, I figured out the first one at BYU. I had no idea what I wanted to do coming out of BYU. And um, I ended up going to work in consulting, mostly because that was a placeholder 
I thought I could figure out in consulting. I, I knew I really wanted to go to business school. That's that's what I knew. So I knew how to get to business school. And I kind of thought magically, if I could just get into Harvard Business School, the rest of my career would be set because it'll just be easy from there. Yeah. And then as I was getting ready, ready to graduate, I realized I still had no idea what I wanted to do. So hmm. um, it, it took me a long time to figure that out. And a lot of yeah. uh, fits and starts. And um, any advice you'd say to, to to maybe individuals who are sort of in that that rut, whether they're in college still trying to figure it out or they're in their professional life trying to figure it out, anything that you found helpful along that path? Yeah, you know, it's good. Uh, the, the biggest lie that I got told as I was trying to figure this out was just do what you love. Mm. And everyone told me, if you just do what you love, you'll be happy. Um, and it turns out, I think you need to um, figure out what you're good at and you'll learn to love it. Um, as you, as you do that. And I knew that I love sports. And so I wanted to work in sports Um, and um, sports industry is, you know, there are a bunch of reasons what ended up not being for me. It was really hard not to, I I never worked on Sundays and that makes it really hard in that industry uh, to, um, to continue to do that. And, and, um, and, you know, I was, I, I was chief marketing officer for the Dodgers for a while and that required really long hours working uh, in my case, Saturdays, uh, most people had to work both Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and I just, um, I wasn't creating wealth. I was, you know, I was having a lot of fun, but I realized there were other uses of my talents to be better off. And so um, what, I, what I remembered my grandfather telling me before he passed away, when I asked him what I should do, he said, um, and, and uh, this is long, sorry for, for, the, for the long answer to your question, but no, it's great. he told me, uh, he said, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So if you just do the very, very best of what you're doing right now, something will come up and it'll, it'll lead you on the path you need to get on. And so I maybe more than others didn't have in mind exactly where I wanted to end up. Um, but I decided to listen to that advice and just do the best job at whatever it was that I was doing. And one opportunity led to the next. And I'm convinced uh, my heavenly father helped lead me uh, to a path where he knew, you know, to a profession where he knew I uh, could uh, uh, succeed. And, and um, you know, he didn't make it easy to get there. And certainly I don't think he's you know, done the work for me, but, you know, I think he knew the direction my, my life needed to go in. And so the advice I try to give people is don't just do what you love. Even if I just did what I loved, I'd be, uh, watching sports and eating pizza and and, <laughs> and doing those things for a living. And, you know, and investing isn't nearly as much fun as those things, but I've learned to really enjoy doing it uh, now that I've, you know, been doing it for a while and I, and I realize I'm good at it. So I, you know, there, the world needs all sorts of different people doing different professions. And if we all just did what we loved, it, the world wouldn't work very well. Yeah. So it sounds like with these transitions, it's not like you just started applying for maybe different jobs or opportunities, but you focus on what you're doing, doing it really well. And then suddenly a door opens that you could step through, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and and by doing well, what I was doing, different opportunities popped up when I was at the Dodgers, um, you know, I I ended up getting uh, offers from Disney and other places as a result of the work I was doing at the Dodgers. Um, it, and the, the way I got to the Dodgers is I had been a senior executive at Reebok and was doing really well there. And, you know, headhunters came calling and, um, and it was just kind of one step led to, led to the next. I, I have friends who have been in one profession all their careers. Um, I think that's going to happen less and less frequently. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I think just doing whatever it is you're doing right now, really, really well, keeping your eyes open um, and opportunities will come along if you're, if you're doing a good job. 
Yeah. And I mentioned that advice really goes for those that are in school still. You you may not have a, you may be, you know, unsure about what your final major is or whatnot, but a lot of people don't end up working in the, in the field they graduate in, but, you know, they learn a lot of skills that uh, propel them into maybe a different career. So even in school, just doing a really good job being a student and getting through those courseworks and, and uh, then doors open up. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I remember when I was at BYU, I thought I was going to go into brand management. It's kind of what I want. I, I thought I'd go work for a big company somewhere. And um, I was doing that and I was interviewing different places. And a buddy of mine said, hey, I've got these consulting interviews I'm going to do. You should come do one too. Um, and I hadn't even thought about it. And I knew him because we were both in, you know, studying economics at BYU. And um, and so I went and took that inter- did that interview and that's what I ended up doing for my career uh, for, you know, when I left uh, BYU was going to work for a consulting firm. And uh, most of the opportunities I've had have been unplanned, you know, just, um, and sometimes small is usually the small things uh, that led to really big things happening. It wasn't all, it was rarely me, you know, deciding this is exactly what I, what I want to do and planning it and having, you know, things rarely worked out linearly for me. And, uh, you know, I feel very blessed and, yeah. A lot of times it's the, you know, conversations and you have in hallways with friends or, you know, different things that end up leading to opportunities you never would have imagined. Yeah. I, I like that the concept of that, you know, maybe don't expect things to happen linear because for others, it seems that way, you know, it's like, man, he just graduated college, got this great job. And then the promotions came and, and he's great. He's happy. Why is not that happen to me? But we shouldn't be discouraged by that. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, and I, t- I mean, in my thirties, I was a little discouraged because I, you know, I had these friends who had graduated from business school with me who had been in the same career their whole life and they were getting ahead. And I just kept, you know, I was, and I was doing cool things. I was b- bouncing around, uh, but I, I knew I wasn't doing what I, what I wanted to do long-term and I was really jealous. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so, but now I look back, I'm like, man, all those, upper, all those different jobs that I had could not have done a better job of preparing me for what I need to do now. Um, and so you know, it's rare for someone in private equity, just for example, to have been an operator, um, usually, you know, people who, who were in private equity have been consultants or investment bankers before. And so mm. I'm able to relate to uh, founders and, and CEOs and chief marketing officers a lot better than a lot of my other private equity uh, uh, colleagues are because I, I sat in those seats. So, um, yeah. it, you know, it ended up preparing me for, for what I needed to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so going back to the sort of the timeline of your education, how much time transpired between graduating BYU and going to Harvard Business School? Uh, just two years. That was, it was a different time uh, back then. So that was kind of, everyone did two years. So I oh, worked okay. for two years at, uh, in consulting uh, and, you know, I, I worked my brains out. Uh, I worked, you know, I was, when my first daughter was born, uh, I, I got half a day off to go be there at her birth. Uh, and then, um, uh, went back to the office and I was working hundred hour weeks. Wow. Um, and, but you know, it was just, it was, it took me two years to get, uh, to get to business school. Yeah. So graduating from BYU, that was the plan to take two years, yeah. focus on, uh, you know, working and then with the intent of, of going to, to MBA school. Exactly. That was, that was, that was as much as I had planned to get an MBA. And then I thought life would take care of itself. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So, did I know. Yeah. so was it, was it always Harvard that was maybe the, the number one choice or uh, what, what led, was there any, any journey yeah. that led you to Harvard? No, my dad had gone to Harvard. I grew up in Boston and uh, you know, a lot of the people in our ward had been Harvard professors and things. So I just, I, I applied just to Harvard. That was uh, nice. 
And looking back, I, I that was not very wise of me because if I had not gotten in, uh, I would have had to keep working and consulting. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I was fortunate it worked out. Nice, nice. And I'm sure, you know, having ward members that uh, teach there, you get a lot of cool, uh, you know, letters of recommendation to help you there. Yeah, you so. know, that stuff doesn't go as far as you think it does. I mean, you oh, really, really? Um, yeah, you know, what I did do, um, which I think was helpful is that I, um, I, I got the Harvard applications two years ahead of time. And I tried to figure out, okay, if I had to answer all these questions today, how would I answer them? And I realized I had mm-hmm. some holes in my answers. So I really focused the next couple of years on making sure that I could write really good essays. And I know, I mean, at the time there were 10 essays, I know it's a different process now than it was then, but I really thought through, and I, I took the GMAT when I was at BYU still, cause I was studying. Uh, and I thought it'd be easier to get a better score while I was in college. I had a professor, uh, the, the Dean of economics uh, really liked me and, and we had a really good relationship together. And we, we did some, uh, we worked on an econometrics project together. And I asked him if he would write me a letter of recommendation to Harvard while I was still in school, knowing that that was still two years away. Then I kept that recommendation and then I sent it back to when I, when I actually applied, I sent it back to him and said, this is what you said two years ago. I don't know if you still remember me, but could you say <laughs> the same things now? Um, so I just, I, I was really thoughtful about how to, like, what, what do I need to do to best position myself to get into you know, the school I really want to go to? And, I spent, you know, I spent time talking to, I contacted the director of admissions ahead of time and asked for feedback on, um, you know, what, here's who I am and what I want to do and got feedback on how, you know, my application should be received. And I, you know, I changed some of the things I was doing uh, in my job in consulting to kind of line up better with what they were looking for. Ah, oh, that's fascinating. Really helpful. I just love even the the little things of, you know, just being familiar of the the application process. What questions are they going to ask you? Like getting ahead of that so that if there are holes there, you, you know, you don't have to figure that out uh, in, in just a few weeks. You got a couple of years to to really fill those gaps. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it worked out well. And, and I was, but it was thoughtful about uh, how to apply and what I yeah. thought was going to, I thought, I mean, I thought that was everything. I thought get, once I got in, I was good to go. What I didn't realize is that was just the start of the journey, not the end, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, when you say you thought you'd be good to go, like, and that was just the beginning. Do you mean that it was just a lot more work after that or? or yeah, I just, I thought, that? I mean, I thought once you're a Harvard MBA, the whole world's going to want you and you can just basically pick oh, okay. whatever you want to do and, <laughs> and uh, you're good. And, and, you know, you don't have to worry anymore, but yeah, it turns out no one really cares where you got your degree. You know, what, yeah. what my degree helped me with was, you know, taught me some principles, but also it was really the network that really, uh, you know, introduced me to and, and uh, people and friends that have gone on to do really interesting things that, you know, that network has been more valuable to me than anything that I learned or any diploma that you can, you know, put on a wall somewhere. Yeah. So going back, you know, as far as like tips or best practices while at MBA school, you know, when you talk about, it's not necessarily that, that your school and the, uh, what's, what it says on your degree as it is maybe yeah. some other nuanced items like the network that you build and whatnot. So any, any advice that you would give to individuals going through MBA school that they could be doing in order to uh, be a better, you know, professional candidate as they graduate? Yeah, I would, I would spend as much, I mean, obviously work hard to get good grades because uh, that sure. matters some, but what matters more than that is the relationships you make. And I, I focus on making honest and real and lasting relationships with as many people as you can. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that one of the guys who was not at the top of our class 
left business school and uh, and started his own uh, company uh, um, doing crazy things. He ended up selling to Amazon, made uh, more money than uh, than I'll ever see in my lifetime in a year's worth of work. And he was not the best student. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and what's interesting is you know knowing people like you know knowing people like him and there are so many other people I got to know who you just never would have guessed who was going to be successful in their career and who wasn't. Um, but being able to call on that network um, has been invaluable to me over the last 30 years as I, um, and I, I wish I had spent more of my time, probably less of my time studying, honestly, and more of my time uh, uh, going out to dinner with people, doing, you know, doing the club functions, going on the uh, trips, um, doing all the things. Yeah, and, and part of it, I was, you know, I was married, I had a daughter, and so I, you know, spent more time at home, but I wish I had spent more time getting to know even more people than I did. Yeah. Cause I can imagine, especially at a college like Harvard business school, that's extremely competitive. You're just so focused of maybe trying to stay ahead of the pack, you know, staying near the top of, of that list, but maybe, uh, you know, allowing yourself to drop a few rungs, knowing that you're still going to perform well, but you're going to make time and space for some of these other, uh, activities that are going to bless your life after, after college. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I mean, I thought, I thought my first year, I really wanted to be a Baker scholar, you know, the top 5%. Mm-hmm. And I worked really hard and I, and I had the grades for, for the first year. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess, I guess some good advice was saying, you know, people told me after it's like, listen, when you, your first job, people are going to care where you finish in your class, but the job after that, no one's going to care. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to, it's going to matter how well you, know, you do at your job. Um, and, and so like my second year, I dialed back the study a little bit and spent more time building relationships by the way, not only with uh, students, but with professors. Hmm. Uh, and some of those relationships with professors have been really va- valuable to me uh, over time. Uh, and because they, you know, they see a lot of interesting uh, business ideas and meet a lot of interesting people and, and being top of their list, uh, staying in touch with them has been something that's yeah. really blessed my life. And, and in order to do that, is it mainly just sort of taking advantage of those office hours? Or, I mean, how do, how do you go about building a good relationship with some of the professors? Yeah, I mean, it's doing well in class to start out with, but yeah, you know, spending time uh, uh, connecting with them in office hours. And then, you know, I just spent, I, I send uh, all my professors every year a Christmas card. Uh, I check in with you uh, and uh, I check in with them by email still hmm. kind of once a year, make sure they don't forget who I am and yeah. ask them what they're up to. And and it's just, you know, I built, you know, like you do any relationship, you spend time, you ask them about themselves. And, um, you know, that's, I think, been a, a good thing to do. That's awesome. Really helpful. Um, well, let's jump into some of these. Uh, I had you send me a few principles of uh, that you've sort of learned or applied in your journey through MBA school and in your professional life. Um, the first one is related to handling a work-life balance. And this is, man, this is like the question and that comes up in every interview I do on this podcast is because in a demanding, uh, you know, sometimes cutthroat world in the professional business world, it can be difficult to find that balance between work and, and family and, and life. So what advice do you have on individuals trying to strike that balance? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question, Kurt. And, and uh, it is something that I have spent a lot of time thinking about and stressing about. Um, and I finally got some clarity for myself. I, I told you I worked a lot of hours uh, between uh, uh, undergrad and, and business school. And I remember going to my dad and saying, how did you do this? I feel totally out of balance. I'm just spending all of my time at work. 
And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm cheating my family. I feel like I'm failing in my calling at, 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 uh, at church and, you know, uh, to say nothing of, you know, the time I'm spending on things I want to do for myself. And it was interesting. He said, you know, he never ever has felt like his life has been in perfect balance and that he always felt like he was skewing really, really well in one part of his life and, and everything else was, was not doing as well. And he said, um, that, you know, it's tough to be totally balanced at any one time, but to try to live your life, say committed to all, you know, the important areas of your life and just know that there's a time and season for all things. And, and so, you know, that, that scripture from Ecclesiastes three, that says, you know, there's a time and season for all things. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. There's a time to, um, you know, I mean, all the things that goes through. And I, and I, you know, for me, there have been times where I needed to, to, um, to work really, really hard and and skew heavy on work, um, and as long as that isn't a long term forever thing, I think that's okay. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll, when I was in my late twenties, I kind of decided I was working really long hours again after business school. I remember thinking maybe I should just kind of quit what I'm doing and take a nine to five job and be able to spend way more time with my family and spend way more time with. Uh, my calling, uh, and um, and I, you know, really thought about it, and prayed about it, and ultimately the the answer I got was, you know, the Lord's given you, given everyone different talents. You have certain talents. Don't you know? Don't uh, hide those talents. Develop them, and this is going to be okay in the end. And what's interesting is, um, you know, now as I work through those things and I've gotten to be in a, a position of leadership and seniority. Um, you know, I'm able to leverage the people beneath me and, and work not nearly as hard. I'm able to work smart and I'm able to work a 50 hour week and still be really, really productive and spend a lot of time with my, uh, in my calling and spend time with my family. And I just, my life's much more balanced now than it was then. And so, um, I just, you know, I think, um, you're never going to find perfect balance at any one time. Um, but, um, I think God's okay with working really, really long hours and 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 doing that as long as it's not a forever thing. Yeah. Um, and so um, I I remember I got called as bishop at one point when I was uh, you know here at my, at my current job private equity and um, I had six kids. I got called as bishop outside of my ward um, and um, I was on seven boards at the time and two plus two nonprofit boards. Um, and I just didn't think, I was like, there's no way I can do this. Um, and then, you know, the next, you know, uh, number you know, four years, um, I skewed heavy on church calling and I had to go to my partners and say, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm totally committed to this place, but I just want you to know, like, I'm not going to be available on Tuesday nights. I'm not going to be available on weekends. I'm not going to be available. You know, there can be a lot of times when I'm just, you know, I can't make a business trip that I might have otherwise made. And so I skewed heavier for those years on, uh, on church than I did on work. And, um, and, and it, you know, it worked out okay. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to, to play uh, candy crush on my phone. Uh, but you know, I, 24 hours is a long time. If you structure your time, you're able to do a lot more, um, if you're thoughtful about it. Yeah. Now I really appreciate that. Cause I'm sure at different seasons of life that it just, 
the the way that your focus is laid out it differs and it's easy to think well no for my entire life i need to have clear 30 minutes scheduled for scripture yeah. study and two hours with my family and that's just the way it should be but there's going to be seasons in life many times that's while you're at in mba school where it's like you know i'm just i'm not as present as i will be in the future and i yeah. imagine a lot of times in the moment you think well, this is how it's always going to be but in reality you, you work through things and things adjust. And then now you find yourself in a time where it's maybe a little bit easier to uh, control your time and put it where your priorities are. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say that you prompted somebody. One thing that I never cheated myself on for the Lord on was I never cheated scripture study and prayer. Mm. And I just say, no matter what, I always, for me, as some people start their day for me, I end my day with scripture study. And I, since the day, since I turned 12 years old, I've never missed a day reading my scriptures. Awesome. And for me, that just kept, that helped make those, you know, those 90 hour weeks. It helped me not drift away. Um, and, uh, and I think it's really important. We provide on-ramps into our life, daily spiritual on-ramps to mm. give ourselves an opportunity to feel the spirit. Um, cause without those little on-ramps, it's easy to drift away. Um, yeah. so even when we are crazy busy with everything else, you can always spend you know, maybe not 30 minutes reading, but you can always spend five or 10. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I also love the, I want to underscore the other thing you said, just about communicating, especially with your partners or business associates that as things change, or maybe that calling does come as Bishop or, or other time demanding calling to communicate with them. Cause it's easy to sort of uh, want to just act like everything's fine. I can handle everything. I'm not going to communicate, you know, even to my, yeah. my, my family or my wife, I'm just going to take it on and I'll figure it out. But to just be open saying it's going to get a little tricky here. And I just yeah. want you to be aware of that. And maybe you can help me out with that as we go. Right. Yeah. It's a really good point. I mean, I, and it was, you know, the, the times when I was working really hard, it was my wife and I had to have a conversation and and, 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 you know, having that communication with your spouse and be able to say, Hey, this is what's going to be required of me to get ahead. Are you okay with that? And if the answer was no, then, and there was one time where she said, I need you at home. So I did dial back at work. Um, and I knew I was giving up advancement opportunities at work, but she, you know, we needed to make that decision together. Um, and, and so there were times where she said, okay, we banked, you know, we, we banked some really good time together. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to dip into that savings here the next year as you just, you know, you have to go flat out here. So I'm lucky that I had a spouse who was really understanding um, and, you know, who shared similar visions and, and priorities. And so, um, you know, she, she really helped make it work. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, the next principle you put is uh, figuring out uh, what we want to do for a career. I guess we sort of touched on that. Anything else we, we didn't hit on? Uh, no, I think, I mean, uh, one, uh, my, my son-in-law has been going through this recently. He's been trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life and it's really stressful to him. And the one thing I can't, the one thing we haven't talked about, I, I will add is um, part of part of getting to where I am was because I did worry about it. And I spent time thinking about it, but um, but at the same time, I spent too much time worrying about it um, and not just do. And and so I tell people, you know, there is a shortage of smart people who are willing to work hard in this world. Um, and if you're willing to work hard and use common sense you're going to get ahead. Um, and not to, don't, don't, uh, let your hair fall out. Don't let it go gray. Uh, okay. don't stress too much about it. Cause, uh, if you work hard and you're smart, um, opportunities are going to come up. And, uh, and so, um, I, you know, I've tried to, uh, console my son-in-law and say, listen, things will work out for you. 
Um, and uh, and so just you know that advice my grandfather gave me luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Like so, you know, study hard in school, work hard where you are, try to add value to whatever you're doing. And when you add value, you know, uh, you know, the universe responds and and good opportunities come up. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Uh, the next principle we put as far as making life's biggest decisions. Uh, how do you go about some of these handling some of these big decisions or that feel big? Yeah, that's um, and when I was bishop, that's what, I was bishop of a ward uh, of, of a lot of PhDs. Uh, and there, it, I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and you know a lot of people were there pursuing their graduate degrees, and and um, and so I had a lot of students who were trying to figure out what to do when they were graduating. And they would come to me and say, I'm not getting an answer to my prayers. And, you know, I've got all these different opportunities and I can't figure out if I pick one, I'm shut, I'm, I'm burning bridges of these others. Hmm. And what do I, you know, how do I make this decision? Um, and I, I relate a story, you know, when I was at Reebok, um, I, I was approached by a headhunter about taking this job as the chief marketing officer at the Dodgers. And my wife and I kept praying about it and we were not getting an answer. Um, and I finally decided, I was like, well, I know God answers prayers. Why isn't he answering this prayer? And I finally said, well, he must not care. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just said, I think we're just supposed to do whatever we think is the right thing to do. And he wants us to kind of be able to make our own minds up. Um, so we ultimately decided to take the job. Um, ironically, you know, I didn't know that I'd be back in Boston a year later, um, in my same house. You know, my, my dad announced uh, he, he was running for office. And so he asked me to come back. And I think you know, ultimately it wouldn't have mattered if I had taken that job or not. It was, you know, he was coming back soon anyway. Um, but what's interesting is some of the biggest, and so that, you know, I thought it was a huge decision. I was leaving Boston. I was leaving my ward. I was selling my house, starting a whole new career path. And ultimately it didn't really matter all that much. Um, but then there were times when um, I didn't think I was making a big decision when I was actually making a huge decision, I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, I, uh, one time I was printing something out uh, in an office and I went to the copier and there was someone there who had printed something out and it prompted a conversation. And he and I both figured out, you know, we were looking at doing something in private equity and he and I decided to become partners together and start Solomir together. Um, and it, that was just because I printed something out at the right time to go see <laughs> what he was printing out on on the, on the copier. And I think, um, the Lord guides us and, uh, you know, some, it's, it's usually the smaller decisions that have a bigger impact than the bigger ones. And I, I'm convinced that the biggest, um, the things that matter most in life are not big giant decisions we make, but an accumulation of lots of really small ones. Um, and so it's the, it's that, um, you know, deciding, you know, the way to lose weight as a, for example, is not to, you know, to crash diet uh, one day and, you know, and get on a scale at the end of the week and see how much weight you lose, but it's to change habits and to do, you know, little things differently um, and to exercise regularly or, and that's just, it's the same thing in life. I think, you know, the, um, the big, um, the way to end up where we want to end up is not to make one big decision, but to do lots of things well along, along the path. Yeah. Um, And so, I, I, I try to tell you know the people in that ward, don't worry so much about this decision you're making. Pray. If you get a really clear answer, that's awesome. I think more often than not, um, God wants us to kind of figure these things out on our own. 
and he'll direct the the course of our life in ways that might be unseen to us at the time, but as we look back, become really obvious. Yeah, and because and sometimes some of these decisions they can feel so life altering, or if you make the wrong decision, it's going to it's going to really be a negative consequence. But yeah. oftentimes, and there's so many scriptural examples of this, where the Lord finds people on a path to somewhere, right? Uh, yeah. And, and as you sort of step into it, and even if it's a bad idea, he'll he'll sort of find you and and guide you or make a new opportunity out of it, right? And so yeah, that's exactly. where the faith comes in. That's what this whole, I think that's a big part of what this life is about is learning how to make decisions, learning how to move forward, how to make things happen. And, and you know, if he just, if, if every time we need to get an answer of what step to take, I don't think we learn. Um, and so it, it is important to be prayerful and thoughtful and really consider things. And the others that Dr. Covens lays out how to, you know, make decisions. But I think a lot of times the Lord allows us to make those things and using our own best judgment that he's given us. So, yeah. Yeah, really helpful. Uh, the last principle you put is in relation to achieving happiness. Uh, that's obviously we want to be happy in this life, and we realize yeah. sometimes uh, some seasons are harder than others. So, how do how do you go about achieving happiness in life? This, this is something I'm really passionate about, and uh, um, and I think it's it's possible for all of us to be happy. And it's amazing to me how many people I meet who aren't happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's a guy by the name of Arthur Brooks who's a uh, he was uh, head of uh, a think tank called AEI, American Enterprise Institute, uh, really thoughtful guy. He wrote, he did all these research studies um, and uh, and wrote a book on, on happiness. It was interesting was, uh, you know, they've done all these studies. They're, they said there's three things that lead to happiness, genes, events, and values. And there's nothing we can do about genes. Um, events, you know, winning the lottery makes you happy, but it's really short-lived. Hmm. Um, and really what you control are the values you have. And he said there's four basic values that lead to happiness. Um, faith, family, friends, and earned success. Hmm. And um, and so I think as members of the church, we get those first three things pretty well. Um, you know, having faith in a higher power um, is, is very comforting and, and, and leads to happiness. You know, having good friends that we, you know, invest in relationships there uh, is really valuable dedicating time to family and, and, and promoting their well-being over our own, I think leads to happiness. Um, and then this last one earned success, um, is something that I think we as members of the church miss on a little bit. What was interesting is, you know, they did this research, people who inherit a lot of money tend to not be very happy. Um, it's people who, who are able to earn and achieve things on their own power and merit that really end up being happy. And so uh, the advice I try to tell people is find something, find some way to change the world, either in a small or a large way, um, and dedicate yourself to it. Spend time doing it, whether it's part of your profession or, or part of a hobby. Um, uh, you know, find something that can make a real difference and can change the world in a positive way and spend time doing that. Um, and, um, and do something that's selfless, that's not going to, you know, uh, help you in any way. But if you do those things, um, you'll be happy. Um, and with, with it, so that's, I, I guess, element number one. Second element is um, I found for me in my life, there's a formula of four things that if I do, um, I'm happy. And if I don't do, I'm not. Um, and that's if I, if I'm reading my scriptures daily, saying my prayers daily, keeping the commandments and I'm good to my family. If, if I'm doing those four things, um, 
everything else can be out of balance. Things can be going badly at work. Um, uh, I, you know, um, I, your health can be bad. I, I had cancer a couple of years ago and I was really worried about that. But if I was doing those first four things, everything else was okay. Um, and I, you know, it's interesting is I detected a pattern in other people's lives where I've never known anyone who was doing those first four things who wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. But I know lots of people who aren't doing those things who, who are not happy. And so um, I just, you know, I'm convinced, you know, that scripture, Messiah 241, uh, consider on the blessed and happy state of those who keep the commandments of God. I, I, I think that's a true principle that if, if we keep the commandments and dedicate ourselves to our family and our faith um, and, and do the things we know we're supposed to do, it just, it leads to happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so helpful. And, and, you know, going back to that scripture, oftentimes we can get the mentality of like, Oh, I need to keep the commandments and then I'll be rewarded. Then I'll get sort of the big gumball from heaven. Uh, you know, but in reality, it's like the engagement in the commandments, that's where the the blessing itself is in the engagement of the commandments, not necessarily because you'll get some reward after that, even though those do come at times, but it's engaging in that cause that, uh, where that true happiness can be found. Right. That's exactly right. I'm convinced that that God is a scientist and that he understands eternal principles and the commandments are not there uh, usually as a, as something just on a web where he's trying to control who we are, but it's his understanding of eternal principles that he knows lead to joy and happiness. So the commandments are there for us to help make us happy. And if we follow the principles that are contained in those commandments, that's how we find harmony with the principles of the universe. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's serving others as opposed to being selfish that, you know, that leads to happiness, just as a, for example. Um, and so, um, and so I, you know, I'm convinced that he is a benevolent God who wants us to be happy. And it's not that, you know, keeping the commandments doesn't mean that everything's going to go smoothly in our life and we're going to win the lottery. You know, I, I've met so many members of the church who are convinced if they're just righteous, that they're, Careers are going to be blessed, and they'll, you know, be able to, you know, strike it rich at some point. And I don't think that's the way it works. I think the happiness is not in striking it rich. The happiness comes in keeping the commandments. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Um, principle. So. Yeah, that's really helpful. And it's easy to get caught in that rat race of, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I just need to get this Harvard degree and then exactly. things will be fine. Right. Or exactly. I just need to close this one, this next deal. You know, you tell your wife this next deal, once we get that done, you know, I'll, I'll slow down and things will be good. But it's really checking yourself in that when that it's not necessarily that big financial payoff that's going to do it or, uh, you know, getting the student loans payoffs that, that'll do it. But it's in that journey where the happiness is truly found. That's really yeah. helpful. That's awesome. Um, well, this has been so uh, helpful. I, I, I just have a few more questions uh, maybe to get your perspective on. I'm curious, you know, obviously your family's been in the public eye on, on various times and and you you have very, uh, obviously your parents are successful. You have great brothers that are, that are finding success in life. Any advice for those individuals who maybe come from a very successful family? Maybe they feel like, you know, I need to live up to what my dad did, my, what my grandfather did, like, uh, are there any pitfalls in that or anything you've learned from being in Yeah, in, in I mean, journey? it really did. It, it, it still, to some degree, causes me a little bit of stress to think about. I, look, I, I, I mean, I've compared myself to my dad's career a lot of times. I'm like, and I'm never going to be able to do what he did. Um, and I just had to come to peace with that and recognize I'm not the same person as my dad. Yeah. And he's going to, like, there's certain things that he's done that I will never do and, and never could if I tried. 
And I'm okay with that. But there's, you know what, there's things I've done that, that he won't ever do in his life either. Yeah. Uh, and so, and that's okay. Um, and, uh, and we, you know, we have different missions, we have different paths. And um, certainly I feel incredibly blessed to have had the parents that I did who taught me what they taught me, who gave me every advantage in life they could give me. Um, and I recognize that I'm not standing here on my own two feet. Like they, uh, you know, I'm standing on their shoulders and I feel very, very fortunate. And I try to give back as much as I can because I recognize those blessings. But I did, you know, I received a, a, a um, some counsel from uh, my former mission president, really uh, wise man, who said, you need to step out of your dad's shadow and just be your own person. Hmm. And that was really helpful to me to say, okay, I'm not going to worry anymore about what my dad thinks. I'm not going to worry about how I stack up against my brothers. Um, I'm just going to be me and that's okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate their successes and I'm going to celebrate my dad's successes and not have, that doesn't need to be a reflection on me. Uh, and um, it's amazing. I think most people think that everyone else is looking at them and judging them. Most of us are just so focused on ourselves that <laughs> we yeah. have time to, to judge other people as much. Um, and so I realized, man, people don't spend nearly as much time worrying about what my career is as I do. Uh, yeah. And so I just need to stop worrying about it so much and just be who I want to be. Yeah. Wow. That's so helpful. And and because it's easy to say, well, I just got to stop caring what, about what people think, but then it's a whole nother thing to say, I got to stop caring about what my dad thinks or my mom yeah. thinks, or my brother thinks. Right. And, and you really have to get to that point to say, you know, I'm just going to be me and, um, and, and celebrate their successes, you know, yeah. and, and not be constantly comparing. Cause that, that's sort of a, man, that's a, a pitfall one can fall into. It really, and you know, he tried really hard not to ever exert any pressure on us. And he yeah. kept telling us, just do what you guys want to do. I don't care. I just love you for who you are. And still it was all self-imposed, but man, that weight just hung over me for the longest time. Um, and, uh, it's not that I've entirely <laughs> stepped away from that shadow. Right, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's still, it still is there a little bit, but, um, but I just feel a lot better about it now. And I told you, you know, I, I initially did not want to work in private equity because I didn't want people to think, and he just got his job there because of his dad. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, I was, I had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove that I could do it myself. Um, and I wish I had uh, realized a little bit sooner, Hey, take advantage of the networks that, you know, you have and, 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 uh, so, you know, it worked out for me. Okay. In the end, but it just took me a long time to get through my stubborn head that, uh, I didn't have to worry so much about what other people thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Really helpful. Um, any, uh, just some maybe more fun questions of, uh, any books that you would recommend some books that you've read during your professional life that have really helped you in your professional life, both maybe spiritual books or just uh, business books. So terrible confession, Kurt, I love reading uh, and I feel like so much of my, you know, I read scriptures every day, obviously. Uh, uh, and I, but I, I love, uh, um, I love sci-fi and fantasy books. That's what oh, I, nice. mostly what I, I, I really don't like business books. I feel like I'm inundated with business <laughs> principles every day. And, you know, uh, I read, uh, you know, plenty of, uh, journals and articles and things about, you know, profession. And, and for me, when I read, it's about relaxation and, you know, we talked about the, you know, the three areas of life. I think there's a fourth area of life you, you do need to spend some time focusing on, which is your own self. It, it's, it's important to have things, to do things that you enjoy, yeah. as long as it's not getting away too much of the other areas of your life. So I enjoy, Brandon Sanderson is my favorite author, who's 
BYU grad. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, I read everything he writes, and I've I've read most of the uh, you know sci-fi fantasy authors out there. I just I, that's what I love. Um, so if I get it, you know, if I get a quiet hour on an airplane, I that's what I pull out. Uh, oh, cool. and, uh, and so. That's uh, probably not what you're looking for, but no, uh, that's, that's awesome. I love the, the overall principle that oftentimes, especially in professional circles, you know, you're passed around whatever consultant read, whatever you wrote, whatever book this month. Right. But to say, yeah. actually it's okay to read, to relax and sort of d- escape maybe the, the day-to-day business problems you're facing and just reset, you know? Yeah. I try and it's funny. I try to read one book that's, you know, quote unquote ed- educational. I usually read history, David McCullough or, you know, um, yeah. Um, and, um, and I find that that's really helpful to kind of understand present day more than anything else is, you know, reading what's happened in history. Um, and then I try to, you know, then I read a fun book and I try to, I try to have a one-to-one ratio, but as I probably do one educational <laughs> book to two or three, uh, fun books. And then I, you know, go back and read the next thing on my list, but yeah, I've got, cool. you know, I, I keep a list on Goodreads of all the books I've, I'm reading and I've got about, I've, you know, I've now read, I've tried to read one or two books a month and I'm about 500 books in on my Goodreads now. And, okay. um, and so, and I love, you know, scrolling around there, finding what other people have read that they enjoyed reading. And that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I love reading. That's great. That's great. Uh, next question is just, uh, I'm curious if you have any like day-to-day life hacks or apps you use, or, you know, you mentioned scripture study, uh, that you sort of set that, that side of time, but anything, uh, any other routines or apps or, uh, habits you have that, uh, help you be se- successful? That's a good question. Nothing comes to mind right away. Uh, I, I keep thinking about it. I will say, you know, um, something I learned as a parent that has been, you know, I, we have six kids, uh, and I, um, you know, made a lot of mistakes on the older ones and we kind of figured things out a little bit better now. Um, but, um, teaching, you know, reading with my younger, reading the scriptures with my younger kids is a huge deal. Huh. Uh, and, uh, and, um, I wish I'd done more. I, I try to convince my older kids to read on their own. Um, cause I was reading my own. Um, and now I realize just, it, it takes five minutes at night. You know, we, we do the come follow me, uh, you know, schedule and we try to do the reading for the week and just those five to 10 minutes at night make it have made a huge difference in their life. Cause then they, they start asking questions that, that, um, I couldn't prompt them to ask otherwise. Mm. And it just gives us an opportunity to talk about things that, that are just, it's hard to talk to your kids about because they don't, they don't want to hear you preach to them, but when they're reading of the scriptures and they're asking questions about it and we do it at a time, you know, my parents try to make us read in the mornings and we all hated it because we were tired and grumpy. And so we do it at night, you know, and, and I tell you, if we do a good job reading, we turn on the Red Sox game after and watch half an hour of the Red Sox game and that, you know, that's the reward. And, and so, um, for me, that's been the biggest revelation from my first three kids to my last three is do that together with them. I know it's, you know, probably obvious to other people, but it took me a while to figure out. Love it. Love it. Well, Dag, this has been awesome. Really insightful. Uh, I've, I've taken away several nuggets that I'll apply to my life and be blessed by. Uh, last question I have for you is if you're in a room full of MBA, you know, NBA, NBA students or MBA MBA alumni, what, what final advice would you give to them? What, any encouragement? Uh, find a way to be happy. Uh, and, uh, and don't stress about, uh, it's the same things I've talked about. Don't stress too much about your career. Do a really good job of what you're doing and things will work out. Thank you for listening to the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about our guests 
and visit latterdaysaintmba.com to find details about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society.